0: Before I begin the sermon this morning, I want to take a moment of pastoral privilege and just share something that's happened to me in the last few days that has uh, has just caused me to stop and do some reflecting. Um, on Ash Wednesday, uh, one of the closest people to me in my life passed away. Um, his name is Dr. Richard Stanger. He was the senior minister of the first church I went to after I graduated from seminary. It was where I had my first call and was ordained nearly, almost in a few weeks, 40 years ago. Uh, And it was under his uh, mentorship that I learned so many of the skills and ways of being in ministry, from the administration of larger churches to preaching and teaching and pastoral care and all the things that I did. And and, um, he and I have remained very close over the years, and uh, his death uh, hit me Pretty hard, uh, I was not expecting it, and um, uh, he was well into his late eighties and um, uh, a very vital and vigorous person and a great servant of our denomination in the United Church of Christ. His father had been the president of eden seminary in in uh, uh, in st louis and uh, we, we, his family history was just so rooted and steeped in the church and in the United Church of Christ, and, and that became a big part of me. So um, I just share that because how we're influenced by others around us really does impact our own faith journey. And uh, we just had Ash Wednesday on uh, this past March 2nd here in the sanctuary. And uh, it represents the beginning of Lent. And some of you were here for that service. Um, we begin now this, this time of 40 days leading up to Easter. Um, if you look at them on the calendar, it's not including the Sundays. We don't count the Sundays between now and Easter because those are like mini Easters and they don't ca- count as part of that 40-day journey to Easter. Um, but we make our way uh, to Easter through this time of pausing, being more reflecting, reflective, and thinking about the life and ministry of Jesus, especially his temptations before he began his public ministry, which were those 40 days in the wilderness. So uh, Lent is, if we open ourselves to Lent, it can be a very rich spiritual time in our faith journey. And we're each on an individual faith journey, but we share it together as part of the neighborhood church. So it's a, it's a both-and kind of thing, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be a a part of. So I invite you to continue to think deeply, uh, to be reflective in your own life and in the ways that God touches you as uh, we come into this time of, of Lent. So, The Catcher in the Rye. Most of you know that book by J.D. Salinger and Holden Caulfield. Um, I remember when I was a teenager how controversial that book was. And there was even talk of banning books. And you know what? It's pretty contemporary. And We're not here to discuss banning books, uh, but that's a tragic thing. Um, but I wanted to use that title as a play on a title for today's sermon, The Catcher and the Guy. Because we're starting a sermon series now for Lent called The Peter Principles. Not the Peter Principle, but the Peter Principles, based on the principles of Peter, Simon Peter, the one we just heard about in our scripture text. And you all know what the Peter Principle is, right? It's a person will rise in any organization, and they'll keep rising and rising until they finally get to a level of incompetence. (laughs) I've often wondered that about myself sometimes. Um, No. Uh, But... The Peter principles have to do with learning about discipleship, our discipleship, through the experience and the lens of Peter, as as shared with us in Scripture. And so the first one today is um, about his call. His call in this particular passage uh, about fishing. Peter was a well. He was first called Simon, and later I'll. Talk about this later in one of the other principles. Um, But uh, he later became Simon Peter, but most of us know him by Peter, so I'm going to talk about him that way today. Um, Peter was a fisherman, along with James and John and some of the others. Fishing is was a very, very important uh, uh, employment in Jesus' day. And Jesus came along, saw the boats there along the Sure, they were mending their nets. You know the story. And uh, Jesus says, hey, let me uh, get in one of the boats. And there's a big crowd that had gathered because Jesus was there. And he sat, sat down in the boat. See, sitting is a very rabbinic thing to do. When a rabbi is teaching, they don't stand like I'm doing. They would just sit down. Make it very conversational. So that's what Jesus did. He sat in the boat and he talked. And after he was done, he said to Peter, he said, go out and let your nets down. And they'd been trying all night and they hadn't caught anything. But all of a sudden, wow, it's just this, there's just fish are flopping everywhere. And the boat's just overflowing with fish. And Peter says, he kneels down and he says, he basically resists Jesus. Jesus has done something amazing and he resists Jesus and says, go away from me, for I'm a sinful man. And then Peter hears something he wasn't expecting. He says, don't be afraid, Jesus said. From now on, you're not going to be catching fish. You're going to be catching people. Jesus was the first catcher. He was the fisher and Peter was the guy. The catcher and the guy. But we too are that guy. So let's, let's look at how this simple story progresses. Jesus does this amazing thing and Peter denies, resists it. And As Michael referred to in the call to confession, that's a a tendency we have in human nature. We want to be ready to serve God. We want to do what's right. We want to do all those things. But life gets in the way. Or maybe it's inconvenient. Jesus didn't say, if anyone wants to follow me, let them relax. (laughs) He said, no, take up your cross. And follow me. But we don't always want to do that. There's just there's something about us that resists being asked to do too much. It's true for me, and it may be at, at least at times true for you. I love this wonderful story. Um, it goes all the way back to um, the early 1800s when Lyman Beecher was a, a very famous preacher, in a Puritan preacher in the early congregational church, one of our predecessor denominations. And... Um, He was serving a church in Litchfield, Connecticut. And they were having an argument. Can you imagine having an argument in a church about whether or not to purchase and install a wood-burning stove in their church sanctuary? Now, I lived in Connecticut. It can get pretty darn cold in the winter there. And up until that time, you came to church when it's cold, you just brought layer upon layer upon layer. And that's how you sort of stayed warm during a worship service. And those services lasted not one hour, but often three or four hours. So imagine. So they had this debate going on and on. And some people thought, no, we should never bring in this new technology. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So obviously some of the congregation thought they should, some not. And the people who thought they should went out. So they, they finally brought the stove in and... It was there on a Sunday and, and the people came in and the people who were against it, the men started loosening their collars and taking off their jackets and the women took out fans and started fanning themselves and, uh, and, and Lyman Beecher got up and he went to the pulpit and he greeted people and he said, as you can notice, we have the new stove here in the sanctuary and next Sunday, we're going to put some wood in it and light it, the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Moses, if you remember, Moses resisted God's call. He was a stutterer. He, he, just, he had run away from everything in Egypt where he had been, and he wanted nothing to do with anything. He just wanted to herd sheep on the mountainside. And God kept after him and after him, and finally he prevailed. Peter also resisted. And we, when we're honest, recognize, we sometimes resist too. So resisting the call is part of this story. But also discerning the call is part of the story. Because we know... We have to read between the lines in Scripture. We don't know everything going on in Peter's mind. But when he knelt down and told Jesus to go away, Jesus didn't go away. He responded. And something happened inside Peter when he heard those words and they sunk into his heart. He eventually did figure things out. He discerned what he was supposed to do with his life. Making decisions isn't always easy. A woman was asked once if she had trouble making decisions, and she said, yes and no. (laughs) Um, Sometimes it's it's, it's hard to discern things. Sometimes we have trouble figuring things out. I, I don't know if you remember who Dietrich Bonhoeffer was, but he was one of the great theologians in Germany right during the time of Hitler. And he was part of the resistance. He was a pacifist for the most part. He did not believe in violence. But when he saw being faced with such evil, he made a, de- a decision to become part of the resistance. He was actually put in one of the concentration camps for an attempt on Hitler's life with some others and was killed just a few days before that camp was liberated. But he wrote letters from the prison. He wrote a number of books, one of of them being The Cost of Discipleship. He really struggled with what it is to be a Christian. And here's something he wrote. He said, Being a Christian, what that is, is what I want to know. To follow Christ, he said, following Christ, what it it is, that's what I want to know. Be a disciple. To be a disciple. So following is a, is a hard thing. And, and when you think about fishing, I don't, some of you probably fish. I, I have fished ever since I was a young boy. Um, there's something about fishing that connects you to creation. I've often joked, um, even if you don't catch anything, you can still have a beautiful, wonderful experience because the fish don't even bother you. (laughs) But being out in creation, and especially on water, and we're so blessed to have this here, when you look at water, your mind, even without consciously thinking about it, is considering what's underneath the surface. And it's a mystery. It's a depth. There's something there that we don't see, but we know it's there. Well, people who fish know that about life and about spirituality. And then there's always the surprise of the catch, you know, when you feel something at the tugging at the end of your rod and you don't know what it is, you can't see it, but you know it's there and it's real. Friends, there are things that tug at our souls that we don't know what they are But they're real. They're real. And it has to do with God's depths. And so, catching and fishing are something many of us know about. And Jesus used that very real experience to say to Peter, from now on, you're going to be catching people. So there's resisting the call, there's discerning the call, and there's following the call. Following, following Jesus and following the call. And in your bulletin, I think underneath the sermon title, there's something that says, um, "If you see something special, uh, what does it say? Um, say so." If you see, that's actually the little Peter principle for next Sunday. It it accidentally got in today's bulletin. So the one for today is. Um, when you hear the call, follow. When you hear the call, follow. So following, as we said at the beginning, is a lot easier said than done. We might say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll do that." And then how many times, I'll speak personally. I can tell you, many times I've said I would do something, I've told somebody I would do something, follow up, you know, return a phone call, do whatever. And then I get distracted. And nine other things have come across my my radar screen and I've completely forgotten what I said I would do. There are times with the big stuff where we think we're going to do what we say we're going to do with God and we don't. Following is very important. The beauty is God's grace is always present. When we agree to follow, it means we're going to follow with all that we are. The disciples. I mean, think of those disciples. Can you imagine having your occupation? And Jesus comes along and says, you don't need to fish anymore for fish. And the story tells us they dropped their nets, left them, walked away from their boats, everything, the capital they had invested, everything, And they turned and they followed Jesus. That's pretty remarkable. So the demands placed on us aren't usually anything close to that. And yet we still can make rationalizations and we can make all kinds of excuses. Friends, what I want to say to you today, this sermon is for me as much as it is for you. Because I need this word of recommitting to follow Jesus. There are times when I get distracted with all the other things of life and I forget my primary purpose is simply to look to Jesus and follow. As Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send